Hello and welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I am host Joshua Tracy. And I am a guy who has a bunch of chips in his mouth, Corbin Heller. And we're, we're recording this a day earlier than we usually record this, so it is Tuesday, November 17th, quarter to 8 p.m. here on the East Coast. Um, it's and Tuesday, not, my dudes. Yeah, truly. Um, and not much has happened since the last time we talked. No, in the uh, world just normal 48 hours where nothing catastrophic happened. Yeah, yeah. There's no breaking news uh, in in Jets world. There's no breaking news. There's some interesting. There's one one truly interesting piece of football news that we'll get to, um, but nothing nothing else outside of that really. And there is one piece of baseball news. So we have two things we're talking about today, and that is it. Um, yeah, you, you ready to roll? Absolutely. All right, well, I guess let's start in the world of baseball, because I want to. And um, we'll start with the one piece of news coming out of that, which is that Theo Epstein is stepping down. Um, for anyone unaware, Theo Epstein is the GM, or I guess was, the GM of the Chicago Cubs. He was there when they, he was the architect of the uh, Cubs championship in 2016, uh, breaking the... Uh, uh, the curse of the Billy Goat, <clears throat> I think is what their curse was called. And he was known for, before that, um, being the guy that broke the drought in uh, Boston by winning them their first championship in 2004. Um, their first championship is, is since, two, since 1918. So this is a guy who's been doing the, the, you know, the thing for a while. Um, and also he isn't old. The UF scenes at uh, well, I want to say thirty something? Forty six. No He's forty six. Okay, thank God. But think about that. Like that means that he, he became the Red Sox GM when he was uh twenty nine. Yeah. Crazy. Think think about think about this. Think about so I think he's he, twenty eight on November twenty fifth, two thousand two when the Boston Red Sox hired him. Twenty eight. Kim Ang has been in baseball for 30 years before getting her first opportunity. Theo, uh, as GM, Theo Epstein was 28 when he got his first GM opportunity. Instead Fucking of discussing nuts. the injustices of baseball and modern sports organizations, can we instead focus on the fact that I have like four and a half years to get my fucking shit together and get hired as the general manager of a sports team? That's not a lot of time to get my shit together. Yeah, time's running out, man. If you wait too long until like you're like seventy five or so, you'll have to just run for president instead. <laughs> since we only elect old people, apparently. Um, pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you just might miss it. But Theo, Theo Epstein has been kind of um. I don't know. How would you describe the legacy of Theo Epstein? Assuming this is the last we see of him. Uh, first of all, there's no way in hell this is the last we see of him because there are numerous teams that would pay just an exorbitant amount of money, um, the Pirates not included, well, uh, to so get him that, to come revitalize their team, their franchise. That, that's, that was my first thought, too. Um, so for reference, Corwin found out he retired, even though this happened earlier in the day, Corwin lives in a bubble during his work day. So he only found out he's retiring, um, like 10 minutes ago, if that, um, apparently he said like, he's been, he's been telling people like he is not planning on working next season. Doesn't mean he might not be back like the year after that or some shit, but he, it, it really does sound like he's just done. The fact that he said next season only emphasizes the fact that I do think we'll see him again at some point. I mean, well, the guy the, who the, must work the exact, as hard as... The exact, quote, the exact quote was something more like... I'm going to paraphrase, even though I just said exact quote, but it, it was something <laughs> like, um, you know, next year is going to be the first time um, in uh, 20 years that I haven't clocked in on opening day of the baseball season or some shit like that. Um, like, it... He didn't just say like I'm gonna take next year off. Like it, he really made it sound like like there was a finality to it. I would believe him 
if I haven't lived through the Urban Meyer saga already, where he was, you know, national championship winning coach at Florida, steps down, says, hey, I need to spend time with my family, focus on my health. Bails, and then immediately goes back to Ohio State a year, you know, in change, having taken that time off. And then fails at Ohio State. Uh, I mean, need to focus on my health, you know, spend time with my family. And now he's uh, an announcer, sportscaster, talking head, however you want to phrase it. So I still expect him to come back at some point. Guys who in order to be as successful as he has been at his age, probably get burnt out and need some time off. But you don't just lose that drive to work and work and work. You don't lose love for baseball. At 46 years old, he's got, you know, he's basically at the top of the hill when it comes to, you know, the timeline of his life. He's just cresting it. I think there's way too much time left for him to not come back to baseball at some point. And when he does, teams are just going to be handing him a blank check. Oh, for sure. Um, well, Josh, nope. you're into gambling now. You want to put some money on this? You think he's bailing? I'm not into like gambling. Placing like random $5 wagers because I had a, a, a a promo offer at a at a at a bookie website is not make me a gambler. Um, Josh is trying to say that he is a degenerate gambler. I am a degenerate. I'm just not saying it stems from gambling. Um, I, I don't the ponies. I don't know, man. It it it's it's tough because front office jobs like you know it's really tough to be a player and take a year off and then decide to come back, like, not even just physically, but, like, emotionally, you know, if you spend... Because, you know, you got to think, you know, you're a player, you spend so much of your day training, you know, you spend so much of your day actually at... just at the the, the, the field doing something and then traveling with a team, and it could just be tough. And uh, if you're... Gronkowski's playing this year, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, It... but like what I'm saying, but I mean, even even not from the physical standpoint, even just from like, I don't know, I'm, a, I'm an away from my family standpoint, you know, um, just from the fact that like I'm spending all this time not with like my, my wife and kids or whatever. Um, that's my feeling towards that. <laughs> my wife and kids or whatever. Because um, if you're GM, you don't really have to do that. If you're GM, you don't like have to travel with the team. You know, like you can just Billy stay Dino. home. Yeah, yeah, perfect example. He didn't even watch the fucking games. Like, you don't have to do anything if you're the GM. So, I, it. So if you're a player and you're like, I'll take a year off and then decide. There's a much stronger incentive for you to stay home, which is that like, hey, wow, this is what my kids are like during the summer. <laughs> I've never seen them during the summer. How odd. Um, but if you're a GM, like you, you, you're you're used to that already. Like, like you get to spend more time around your family. So. I don't know what that gap period looks like. Um, I I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, the man's 46. That's so young to retire, retire. I can't imagine him doing that, but I could see him taking like an, if, if, if he didn't want a GM GM, I could see him like assistant GMing somewhere just for like the sake of it. But I don't Here's the thing though. The man is twice my age exactly. And the only consolation I have for you know against my argument is, you know, I think every day about retiring and never having to work again. Maybe he's just like, Yeah, I've been doing it twice as long as that guy who has a you know, an iffy podcast. Maybe it's time to hang up my hat. Maybe. I I guess, um, I I just I I don't know what it's like to make a lot of money, so I just don't know. <laughs> Touche to that. We will never know. Well, you know, fingers crossed, God willing, yada yada yada. Um, we will never know. But in all reality, we will never know what a million dollar income in one single year looks like. 
we have we'll we'll never find out. Um, and you know, man, like that's okay. We don't need to know. We don't need to know what happens back there. Um, but I'll tell you what, man. I'd love to know. I'd love to know too. Um, but I bet it's a whole different goddamn stratosphere of of life, of of being the guy. So I don't fucking know, man. Um. So let let's talk about Boston to start. So Epstein gets okay. there when he's uh, when he's twenty. What would you say? Twenty seven, twenty eight. Uh, twenty eight. Twenty eight. Um, two thousand one. The season before he took over, Boston had finished eighty two and seventy nine. So they're not bad. You know, we're over five hundred here. Uh, they finished second in the division, thirteen and a half games back, but second in the division. Year Theo takes over Boston, they go ninety three and sixty nine, still finish second in the division, um, and to still don't make the playoffs because the AL was pretty stacked that year. Oh three ninety five and sixty seven, even better than the year previous. This is the time they go to the playoffs, but they lose the ALCS in seven games. Then two thousand four, um, they still finish second in the division, but at ninety eight and sixty four a fourth straight year of improvement. Um, and this is the year that they end up actually winning the World Series. Um, a ridiculous season from Kurt Schilling, who put up 7.7 war? That's not real. From a, from Kurt Schilling? Uh, baseball reference doesn't lie, Josh. It's, I don't you lie to me. 7.7. 7.7. Where is it? God damn it. Uh, war. Kurt Schilling, man. God damn. 7.8. Jesus. How? Johnny Damon and David Ortiz retired for being their best hitters with 4.3 war. So, oh, wow. So, so. Kurt, I didn't realize Kurt Schilling had it like that in 2004, man. I mean, I knew he was a good pitcher and all, but I didn't realize it was like this. Let's look at Kurt Schilling's numbers. 226.2 innings pitched. Um, he had a 1.063 whip, um, a 3.26 ERA, uh, 203 strikeouts, 3.11 FIP. I I don't get it. 8.2 hits per nine, 0.9 home runs per nine, 1.4 walks per nine, 8.1 strikeouts per nine, 5.8 strikeouts to walks. So I guess he didn't walk anybody, really. Yeah, he didn't really walk anybody. Why is his war so high? Could not tell you in a million and a half years. I'm not getting bogged down in it. Fuck that. Um. Anyway, anyway. Um. So then, you know, Theo hangs around Boston. Uh, they go on to win the World Series again in 2007. Um, and then, you know, his contract gets up. It's 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 time to think about what's going on, and he ends up uh, g- making making the transition over to the Cubs in 2011 on a five-year contract. And as we all know, the Cubs in the final year of that contract, actually, Epstein re-signs with the Cubs in 2016 on September 28th, like like a month, a little over a month before winning the World Series with the organization. It's like they knew, man. It's like they knew. Um... And uh, he, so he finishes out that extension. That is just what finished up this season. And he announced that he was just stepping down. And, and that is really the career there. Well, I, I want to talk a little bit more about some specifics within the career. But by and large, like, uh, he, he, you know, grew up in New York, went to college, uh, worked briefly with the Padres under uh, Larry Lucchino, um, and then 
uh, Lachino became CEO of the Red Sox and then hired Epstein to be the um, GM of the Red Sox. And he was with the Red Sox for about a little under a decade. And then he was with the Cubs for a little under a decade. And now he's retired. And that's kind of it. And I mean, three World Series rings ain't fucking bad. <laughs> it's more than 99% of the people get. So, yeah, I would say it's pretty darn good. I'm, and, um, especially, and, you know, taking over two franchises where it's not just winning three rings between two different franchises. It's winning three rings between two franchises that were at historic levels of droughts between their last win and who were really not looking to break that anytime soon before he shows up. Yeah, and that and that that's the real thing. So, you know, if you take it on its face, here's a GM that got you um got two different franchises, a World Series, uh three overall. And if that's the career and you leave it at that, it's an amazing career. Cause you know, like think about your favorite team in sports. They've probably sure. had more than two GMs in the past twenty years. You know? Outs- the only one I can think of that hasn't for me is the Yankees. Brian Cashman's been there for about, you know, twenty five years. Um, the Patriots have had Bill Belichick for the last twenty years, but I'll, you know, most franchises go through more than that. Um, so that in of its that level of stability and trust and success really speaks volumes. Um, just for reference, Boston's record um, for the time that Epstein was there, which was and I want to make sure I get the year right because with this with the whole seasons thing, I always I always doubt myself a little bit. All right, so he was there through the 2011 season. Okay, just wanted to, just wanted to make sure I was right. Um, yeah. So anyway, while while Epstein was there, I mean, Boston never had a season below 500. Like, um, it's pretty amazing. Um, do you want to know the list of the longest tenured GMs in the NFL? In the NFL, yes. Um, is is the longest Bill Belichick? Uh, no, he's no. third. Third? Mm-hmm. Jesus, uh, is the Steelers GM above him? He is fourth. Oh wow! Who the fuck am I not thinking of? The Seahawks GM? One you're gonna laugh at, and be. Upset. All right, lay, lay him on me. Uh, number one, since 1989. You want to take a guess? 89? Who the fuck is this? Um, You're going to hate uh, this so much. I have no idea. Go ahead. Jerry Jones. Oh, fuck off. Number he, two. Oh, suck a <laughs> dick. Number two since 1991, another owner-GM combo meal, Mike Brown of the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, he needs to fire himself. Yeah. Oh, my God. He he needs to fire himself. Wow. How have you let yourself – because, like, at least Jerry Jones can lie to himself a little bit and be like, I won some some Super Bowls in the early years or some bullshit like that, however he talks. Um, but like, man, the Bengals have been fucking ass for, for the whole time. Like the whole, they had that one fourteen and two season and like, that's it. And they got bounced in the first round. Uh, yeah. So I can definitely confidently say of all the guys on the top of this list, he has by far the worst track record. Yeah. Um, so that was 1991. Bill Belichick was hired in 2000. Kevin Colbert of the Pittsburgh Steelers was hired one month later in 2000. 
Uh, Mickey Loomis of the Saints in 2002, Rick Spielman of the Vikings in 2006, and Thomas Dimitrioff of the Atlanta Falcons, who was fired this season, was hired in 2008. Oh, damn. Yeah, there's a, this is a pretty interesting list, I do have to say. Thinking about, thinking about the fact that, that Theo Epstein has had uh, – uh, y- he spotted Jerry Jones like 12 years and has more championships than Jerry Jones does in that time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck you, Jerry Jones. I hope you hate yourself. So how many how many rings did Jerry Jones win in uh, Dallas? Four? Three? Oh, I... Two, right? Two in the 90s? Yeah, the the back to backs, and that was it, right? 94, 95, was it? Um, I'm just gonna keep asking questions until you look it up, because I don't want to. Uh, I want to say, or it was earlier. I want to say it was 92, 93. I am looking it up, so fuck you. Ah, God damn it! I hate that you do this to me, but I know it'll work. Um, I started looking it up. I'm it was 92, 93 points to Josh, but he also won in 96. Uh, okay. And 94. 93, 94, and 96. No, 92, 93, 96. Sorry, 92, 93, 95. I think we're talking seasons and not the actual year they won it. All right, so sorry, the 92 season, the the date of the Super Bowl in which Jerry Jones's Cowboys won were... In 93, 94, and 96. The seasons okay. were 92, 93, and 95. Which is whatever. He won three of them. Bill yeah. Belichick has six. six. Uh, Kevin Colbert has one, two. He has two. Um, and Mike Brown. Mike Brown doesn't have any. He's the Sad. only one in the top five without uh, a Super Bowl victory. And multiple appearances. Weird. Yeah, who would have thought the Cincinnati Bengals? Not good. Yeah, well, I know. What a shock that is. I don't think they've even won a playoff game since he was hired. No, I don't think they've won a playoff game since the internet was commonly available. Bengals won a playoff game January 1991. He was hired in February of 91? August of 91. He has not won in the 30 years he has been gen- or GM and owner. He has not won a single playoff game. It's really fucking sad. Mark Sanchez has won four. Ugh. Ugh. Oh, man. This is gross. Anyway, we're talking about Theo Epstein. So, to to win your championship is already a pretty rare event. To do it as a GM, I think... Um, or to have that as be, being part of your GM legacy is also very unique because of the fingerprint that you lay on the team. Mm-hmm. And Epstein's fingerprint is very clear within the organizations he touches, in also large part because they were big um, streak breakers. Again, um, Red Sox hadn't won since 1918. Cubs hadn't won since 1908. And uh, given the years I just said, these are two of the oldest and biggest named franchises in the sport. If you're talking about baseball teams as a whole, these are two of the team's names that come up. Talking about baseball on the East Coast, the Boston Red Sox are one of the two biggest teams on the East Coast. And if you're talking central teams, Chicago Cubs are one of the two biggest teams in the central. I think if you asked or surveyed the entirety of the United States to name five baseball teams, those two would easily end up in the top four. I don't know why I said name five when I was only going to use four as my example, but whatever. We're going to roll with it, and I feel like I'm bringing too much focus to it already. If you ask me to name five baseball teams, the first five that come to mind are the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Cubs, the Dodgers, and the Cardinals. What about you? Mine, you know, would be Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers, Cubs, and then probably pirates, just out of sheer hatred of myself. But yeah, 
Yeah, that's uh, name recognition wise. On top of that, who would be the next biggest name team? That's hard to say, honestly. Like Cardinals is definitely not a bad option. Maybe the Indians, just because of famous baseball movies. But I don't know. If It'd by famous baseball that. movies you mean just the one series of which the last two aren't very good, um, of, then yes. Uh, I don't think it's a series. I think it's just the one individual film, and then there were no sequels that were ever made. So I think it's just the one. Just like Star Wars. Um, all right, fair enough. So, Which is the one good Star Wars movie? Um, That one is the first two, and then everything else is pretty shit. That what? Star Man. Wars, this the nineteen seventy seven feature film, yes. A New Hope, and then whatever year Empire Strikes Back came out, and then everything else is pretty garbage. Okay, sure. Yeah, sorry, Star Wars fans, your movies are bad. Um, Not anyway, now. No, no. Oh, we'll save it for the movies podcast, juicing the big screen. So we're really gonna duke it out. Um. <sighs> Pick a Phantom Menace for your for your peak pick this week. I fucking dare you, bitch. Um, you can't defend that. Anyway, no, no, you cannot. A- a- anyway, um, so so to to have to have the pressure of the streaks, to have the pressure of the media markets. You know, in New York, it's a bad rep, deservedly. Um, Boston is also bad. I don't know what Chicago's deal is, but I'm going to assume that they're not the friendliest people because sports, local sports radio anywhere, I think is probably pretty shit. Um, and then it only gets worse the bigger your city is. Um, so I would have to assume Chicago is also not super friendly, but Boston for sure sucks. Again, just like New York, does, I'm not showing any boss, uh, bias here. But that that's that's kind of a huge deal. And tacked on even further is the fact that Epstein, I think his legacy will always be, if you go big, you can make it, you know? Because he often spent a lot of money and got rid of a lot of prospects to bring in marquee players. You know, Dave Dombrowski has often been considered like the harbinger of this as well. He did it with the Tigers. They were very successful. He did it with the Red Sox. They were very successful. But, but... Epstein made a lot of very shrewd trades at the time. He's the guy that got rid of Nomar Garcia Parra in, in Boston. Um, and like back when that was like a really controversial move, he traded for Araldus Chapman, getting rid of um, Glaber Torres in Boston. I mean, um, in, in Chicago, that was, that was, that was a big, like that was a really big deal. Um, it got, it helped that, he was also very good at getting his returns and he was a very good drafter. Um, you know, this is the guy that like got uh, Jake Arietta as kind of a relatively nobody when he was signed. Um, this is the guy that drafted Kyle Hendricks. Um, oh no, sorry. He, no, he traded for Kyle Hendricks, but again, with Kyle Hendricks also like, wasn't really anybody, you know? Um, it's the guy that drafted Chris Bryant. Like he, he was such. He's such a well. I, I don't want to make it sound like he's dead. He is very much so alive. Again, he is forty six. <laughs> um, but this is a guy that like really was shrewd in every single move he made and didn't try to get cute with payroll the way I think a lot of Yankees fans would agree. Um, Brian Cashman does, even though I think Brian Cashman is a wonderful GM. Um, he will go all out and make big, flashy moves for short-term success if he thinks it's going to benefit the team um, in that immediate way. And it's been proven to be... uh, He's been proven to be right. I mean, again, Boston did not have a single season below 500 the entire time he was there. Chicago... um, uh, Sorry, the, the, the Cubs... Did they have a losing season? If they did, I don't remember one. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot how bad they were when he took them over. Jesus. 
Yeah, so the 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 um Cubs were a losing team his first four years there, have not been a losing team since, and since twenty fifteen have gone to the playoffs in five out of the last six years, including a World Series win. Um and two championship series appearances in addition to that. I I mean that's just that's just good fucking success, man. Ooh. I have a question for you. What's up? Do you think he is a Hall of Famer? Oh, no. That is a phenomenal question. I'm going to have to say yes. How do you say no? I, I completely agree. I mean, the guy did so much for baseball. How could you argue that because he retired when he was 46 after still having 20 years in baseball that he's not a Hall of Famer? Yeah, no, I, I, I think I think he pretty readily is. I mean, such an impressive resume. Um, three World Series rings with two of the most iconic fr- franchises in the sport. Both uh, huge um, fucking streak breakers. And again, that really can't be overemphasized enough. Like, it was a really, really big deal. Like, it's not just like, oh, man, it was the first Yankees championship since 2009. Like, that's not a big deal. It means, you know, there's a Yankee, there's Yankees fans out there that are like, man, 11 years. We're the Yankees. We should be better than that. Yada, 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 yada. That doesn't matter. We're talking, we're talking 96 years. Sorry. um, No. Longer. Right? With 1908, 2016 minus 1908, 98 years. 98 years for the fucking uh, Cubs. And we're talking 86 years for the Red Sox? That's a big fucking... Man, we legit, like, went through Reconstruction and Jim Crow <laughs> between when... <laughs> between when... Between when fucking... Um, the Cubs won their last World Series and 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 2016 when Matthew FC won the, um, their next one. Like... We put a man on the moon. We passed civil rights legislation, all of Reagan's business, Watergate. Like a lot of stuff went down, man. <laughs> and um, what an absolutely wild realization! Holy shit! Right? Think, think about the fact that in 1908 we were 51 years out from landing on the moon, and we were 108 years out from the from the um. Cubs winning their next World Series. Like, imagine Just telling somebody. Imagine telling somebody in 1908, like, yeah, you know how good this feels. Yeah, we're gonna put a man on the moon before this happens again. And no, we will not be putting the man on the moon very soon. Uh, I don't think uh, anyone would expect that to happen in 1908 very soon. But your point stands. Like, holy shit. Theo Epstein, not related to Jeffrey, significantly better. Oh, by far the better Epstein. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> at least what we know. Uh, but because all of your heroes are really villains. Never forget that. All of your heroes are villains. <laughs> um, anyway, that to the side. So looking at looking at who who the uh, the best players during the Red Sox tenure was um, at the time. Uh, just going by because I think this is it's always fun to have those blasts from the past kind of kind of look throughs, you know. Um, so in two thousand two, the Red Sox best player. Do you have any impression of who this might be? In two thousand two, yeah, I won't ask you this for all of them. I'm just curious. Uh, um, Manny Ramirez. It's a great guess, Derek Lau. No. No? No, I don't accept that. Yep. Derek Lau put up, um, I just navigated away from it, 7.3 war in 2002. Finished with, it finished his career with 34.3 war, which means, uh, a, you know, like 20% of his total war came from this season, which is bananas. Um, since he had a seventeen, a seventeen-year-long career. Oh my God! Wow, that's so funny. Oh man. Um, 
anyway, no, but he he had been with the organization prior to um, Epstein's arrival. In 2003, the best player on the Boston Red Sox was your boy, Pedro Martinez, the pride of the Dominican Republic. Um, God, who doesn't love Pedro? Even though he played for Boston, who doesn't love Pedro? Um, Pedro, who had also been with Boston previously, but, you know, still. Uh, 2004, as we had said, Kurt Schilling was the best player on the Red Sox. It still feels disgusting, yes. Uh, but this was an Epstein acquisition. He had brought um, Kurt Schilling over from Arizona, where Schilling had won uh, a World Series as well as winning um, a World Series MVP. So this was at 37 years old. This was um, this was a, a, a an Epstein acquisition, and um, Kurt Schilling certainly paid off for him, coming second in Cy Young voting, 11th in MVP voting, and um, becoming an All Star that season. All right. Before we, we need to still talk about 2003 for a second. Why? Because you had said Pedro Martinez, best player on the Red Sox 2003. Eight war. I'm sitting yes. here looking at Pedro Martinez's stats in 2003. Led all of baseball in win loss percentage, went 14 and four. Led all of MLB in ERA and ERA plus, obviously. Mm-hmm. Led all of MLB in FIP. Led the American League in whip, home runs per nine, and strikeouts per nine. Was third in Cy Young voting, and did not make the All Star team. Oh man, who even knows with that All Star business? I just like it doesn't matter. Nobody gives a shit about like missing an All Star appearance in two thousand three. The man won three Cy Young Awards. But, like, how does that even happen? What? Just having that good of a season and not making an All-Star. Like, how do you not vote him in at that point? Whatever. I'm over it. It's always tricky because the All-Stars are halfway through the season, so it's like, geez, I wonder what was happening then. You know? Maybe he was hurt for a little bit. Who knows? But I'm over it. I'm over it. I just want to find out who hates the Dominicans because I'm coming for you. Because because I know there was a year when um oh wasn't was it Harmon Killebrew or no Hank Greenberg Hank Greenberg um didn't make an All Star game in the season in which he won MVP um because the um All Star game voters didn't vote for him because he was Jewish. Um, which is a hilariously stupid reason not to vote for somebody who's good at baseball to go play baseball. It's like you let him into the league, like, like just put him in your stupid game. <laughs> like you're hurting nobody but yourself. Um, so may- maybe maybe 2000, 2003 was the year that baseball was like, "There's too many Dominicans. We got to send a message." And to that guy, watch your fucking back. I'm coming for you. Um, Do it. I'm coming for you. I'm doing it, man. I'm doing it. Uh, any anyway, anywho. Um, that brings us to 2004, right? Did I say that already? I did. That was Kurt Schilling. All right, 2005 and 2006, the best player on the Red Sox in both of those years. Big Poppy, David Ortiz. This is another. Theo Epstein acquisition, he had acquired David Ortiz from the Minnesota Twins, where he had come up um, with the Twins and played the first five years of his career with the Twins. Um, Them, I guess, just not realizing the the guy who was David Ortiz being um, really fucking good at baseball, uh, gets traded to the Red Sox, ends up doing everything you could possibly want with the Red Sox. He makes 10 all-Star appearances, wins seven Silver Sluggers, wins three World Series, a World Series MVP, an ALCS MVP, finishes top five in MVP voting um, five years straight, as well as a uh, top 10 finish at his age 37 season and a top and a, and a sixth place finish in his final season at age 40. Um, that is a Theo Epstein go fuck yourself to the Minnesota Twins, which is a requirement if you're going to make it in the playoffs. You must say go fuck yourself for the Twins. Um, in 07, his best player was Josh Beckett? Who? 
have you ever heard that name? No. I have no idea who this is. And I was a conscious baseball watcher his entire career in Boston. Um, but anyway, this is another Epstein acquisition. So really showing a lot of good value here. Um, other best players on the Red Sox during his tenure um, in 2008. Best player was Dustin Pedroia. Um, who was he drafted by Epstein? Um, yes, yes, he was. He was an Epstein draft pick um, in the in the 2004 amateur draft, and he has spent his thus far his entire career in Boston. Um, in 2009, best player on the team was Kevin Euclid, who had also been an Epstein draft pick. Um, who had um, wow, his career was a lot shorter than I thought it was, and it was still 10 years. Wild. Anyway. Um, doesn't matter. The 2010 best player for the Red Sox was Adrian Beltre, who had been acquired by Boston, been super great, and then was, um, for just really that one year, and then, um, ended up with finishing out his career in Texas, which was fun because it meant I got a root for him. And his last season, uh, with the organization, best player on this team in 2011 was Jacoby Ellsbury, um, who had been drafted. In 2002, by the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, chose to go to college because um, he was drafted in the 23rd round. Jacoby Ellsbury was like, fuck that 23rd round noise, and then got drafted by Theo Epstein in the first round of the 2005 MLB draft um, and ended up playing uh, the first uh, seven years of his career in Boston before finishing out his career on the DL. So, yeah. Those are the Boston years. As you can tell, there's a lot of great value as um, via acquisition from Epstein as well as good drafting. We really saw both be a big factor um, in those key years for the Red Sox where they were the, at, at their most competitive while never being non-competitive. Because, again, that that's really, that's really the sign of a good GM is that even when you're quote-unquote bad or at least not good, you're still not bad, you know? Like the Yankees haven't had a losing season in 25 years or something like that. I'm just guessing. Um, I think it's probably a little bit longer. But, and you know, part of that goes on the managers and a part of that's, you know, player development and yada, yada, yada. A lot of that goes to Brian Cashman where like even though the teams hadn't been competitive from like, I don't know, 2012 to 2017, uh, they never were bad enough to full on suck. And that does say something, you know? Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where like even just reading up more on it now, like he he always said he'd never wanted to spend more than ten years with a franchise. This was you know closing in on you know nine seasons. This was his ninth season with the Cubs, and you know it. This is a big off season for them with. Rizzo and Brian and, and so many directions that they could take. He's basically stepping down to allow them to have a little continuity with uh, uh, Jed. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. I don't want to look it up, but Jed um, moving forward. So I, I get why, you know, I, I get that he has a lot of options, you know, moving forward and he's going to take the year off and do his thing. But, you know, he's not dead. No, no, he's very much so alive. Um, yeah. Yeah, let's end because I need to go to bed. Uh, real quick, I just want to go through the, the, the Cubs years super duper fast. Um, oh, yeah, shit, sorry. No, 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 buddy. It's all good. Uh, in 2012, his first year with the team, I'm just like living for these goofy names that I like either have zero recollection of or have the weirdest Vegas recollection. Um anyway, uh it, the best play the best player on the Cubs was a four point six war um Darwin Barney. Shut the fuck up. I sh- I can't. Four point six war shut- Darwin <laughs> Barney. That's a man. Darwin Barney. That's a Baseball guy. Infielder. Oh, He's, my God. Do you know what his middle 
fucking name is? No, I don't. What is it? Kunani? Darwin Kunani Barney? (laughs) What? K-U-N-A-N-E. Darwin Kunani Barney. Darwin James Kunani Barney. Dude, this isn't even like when we say Japanese made up, Japanese video games made up American names. This is nonsense. Portland, Oregon. What the fuck are you doing there, man? Gold glove winning second baseman Darwin James Kunani Brown. I I swear, man, they gave him a gold glove award. Darwin James is already hilarious because of Derwin James, but Kunani Barney. Dude, they they gave him that gold glove award just so someone could say his name out loud on a stage. Um, Wow. That is also just so sad that that is their best player at 4.6 war on an entire baseball team. Um, and you can really see an upward trajectory in how well the best player on the team performed, um, starting with the very next season. Uh, the 2013 season, best player on the team was Travis Wood and his uh, 5.1 war. Travis Wood, who had made his um, start in MLB with the Cincinnati Reds, was a 2012 acquisition of Theo Epstein, one of the hit one of his first acquisitions. Um, and then in 2014 and 2015, the best player on the Cubs was Jake Arrieta, 2014, a 5.6 war season. And in 2015, an 8.6 war season, super good from Theo from Jake Arrieta. Um, oh, actually I was, I was wrong. I said that he had, um, Arrieta had come up, um, as a pick of, of Epstein I think I said that um he actually came from Baltimore and holy shit do I not remember him with Baltimore at all god damn wow uh probably because he sucked with Baltimore that's probably why he he was bad in Baltimore wow was he bad um wow okay yeah uh, that makes sense anyway um then in 2016 and 2017 best player on the team was Chris Bryant um, who had been drafted by the Blue Jays in 2010 in the 18th round, said, fuck that noise, stayed in school, uh, stayed off the streets, didn't do drugs, and got drafted by the Cubs in the first round, second overall in the 2013 MLB draft. This is a draft pick of Epstein's. Um, he has since been an MVP, Rookie of the Year, three-time All-Star, and World Series winner, and was the best player on the Cubs uh, in back-to-back years in 2016 2017. And then the best player on the Cubs in 2018 and 2019 was Javi Baez. Um, yeah, Javier Baez, who was drafted by the Cubs um, ew, in June of 2011. So actually, this was probably right before Epstein started, um, which is interesting. But anyway, uh, nonetheless, and most recently, best player on the team this past season was Yu Darvish, um, an acquisition made by Epstein. So again, we're seeing a good mix of players achieve, uh, acquired via both um, trade and uh, draft and were just really consistently good teams that which just speaks volumes as to um, the quality of work here um, that Theo Epstein has done. And it's going to be super weird not having him at the helm of a team uh, next year. And I'd be, I'd be just, I'm just going to be so interested as to what happens with his vacant seat and if he ends up going anywhere at all. But uh, yeah, yeah, and it's 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 really a nice mix of draft and uh, free agent capital, like you know you mentioned, and and that kind of balance is super underappreciated because of how much. Um, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, why does this happen every week? It, diversification for where you're getting your talent from. So right. you're not relying on draft picks hitting. Obviously, with baseball, it's a little different. One bad draft class won't sink you. One bad free agent class won't sink you. Being outbid, this, that, won't destroy the team. So, you have seen best in the biz. Yeah, and it, and and it's nice because you don't have to go full Dombrowski, where like you know your your draft picks are just fodder for um, future trades, and it's not the small budget raise where like every acquisition has the weight of the world on it. 
because you're trying to squeeze every last bit of marginal war that you can out of a player in order to keep your team competitive. Um, so it really, it it's like it it it's the the most fun way to be a GM. I would have to assume, um, mm-hmm. or to to be a fan of a team with that kind of GM, a guy who's going to give it to you both ways, so you don't completely mortgaging your future like the Red Sox did with Dave Dombrowski, or really, I should say, as the Tigers did with Dave Dombrowski, since the Red Sox at least had some World Series championships to show from it. Um, and the Tigers really have nothing. Love a guy who'll give it to me both ways. I, I, I knew you were going to take it that way. Um, but anyway. Uh, you want to talk about that Giants player, or do you want to just save that for later? Uh... I say we save it for when we can actually get a little more information about what happened. Fair enough. Then we'll save our one NFL topic for the future. Um, but that's a little bit on uh, Theo Epstein in kind of a, a, a loose, overarching fashion. Um, really, it was really nothing more than a trip down memory lane. <laughs> but hey, man, mm-hmm. any reason to talk about players like Darwin, Darwin Barney? I, I can't. I, we need to do it hour and a half on Darwin Barney at some point, but that's for another day. Um, anything else before we go? Uh, no. I'm, uh, I'm good. Alright, well, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod, and if you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers gmail.com, and until Monday, y'all have a good one. Bye. Bye.